and special musics this morning. Uh, we pray for the, just a, a time of congregational singing, Lord, that our voices would be lifted to give you praise, for you alone are worthy of our worship, God. And so may we worship you in spirit and truth, Lord, as we celebrate the birth of your Son, Lord, who was sent to be the Savior to save us from our sins. And we thank you for that, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Now's the time when you guys get to shine and we're going to sing. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we begin our, our, our service this morning singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to seated. 
Good morning. We are the Cooney family. I am John. This is Joey. This is Elena. And my lovely wife, Lydia, is home not feeling well. So we are going to press on without her, but she's probably watching. Hi, honey. <laughs> Today, we light the angel's candle, which symbolizes the peace that has come to the earth because of the gospel. The angels... God's special messengers first announced this peace to lowly shepherds. We will read about them in Luke 2, 8 through 14. Today, many find the world to be a scary and uncertain place. The gospel, which announces Jesus as the Prince of Peace, brings hope, assurance, and stability to all who put their trust in him as Lord and Savior. Luke 2, 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and in the, glo and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign... For you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a, heavenly mul a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for being the Prince of Peace and the only hope of the world. May those who do not know peace come to you and receive it, both now and forever. You said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. May we all find rest and peace this Christmas season as we anticipate the celebration of his birth and look forward to his return. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace.
Christmas choir from EV Free Church in Orville Christian School is happy to sing for you this morning. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So Joseph and Mary began a long and tiring journey to Bethlehem.
Well, I don't know how we follow that. <laughs> Might as well just go home now. We're going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing together one more time. Uh, we're going to sing, Go Tell It on the Mountain. seated. Good morning. Merry Christmas. My name is Joe Kanachi, for those of you who don't know me, and it's time for announcements. Hey, yes, sir. Phil, how are you doing, Phil? Welcome, Phil. It's been a while. Glad to see you. Glad to see you.
Zach. Zach, I don't think I'd have recognized you. From here in my bad side, it looks like uh, you kind of look like Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Well, there you go. It must have rubbed off on you guys. Well, greetings, greetings. It's it's a it's a it's a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Um, special announcement out to the youth group. The youth group went and tried to make a connections with the high schools in the area, and they went out and did some. Uh, some, some gifts to the teachers to show them the appreciation of the teachers in the local high schools here at Las Plumas and Oroville. We just want to say thank you to the youth and the youth group and Pastor Brian and all that you guys are doing for us as a congregation in reaching out to the community. Uh, we have a, our missionary of the month. It's a it's a thing we've been doing. It's an opportunity for us to give special gifts to uh, to our missionaries and through prayer or through finance. Um, if you'd like to make a, a dedication, a, a donation to our missionaries of the month, uh, they're Russell and Sharla Weisner. We have been partnered with them for some time now. I'm not exactly sure on how long, but it's, it's been a long time, and. Uh, if you'd like to, to, to designate that, you just get one of those blue envelopes and put M-O-M, Missionaries of the Month, and whatever you like, and you can put, the, uh, put that in the box in the back, our offering box. And uh, today's the last day for us to turn in our Discipleship Hour survey. We took a survey as a church to see what do you guys, what are the needs of the church that, that you guys would like to have for a second hour Sunday school Call it what you want, 11 to 12 hour time of fellowship and learning. So uh, today's the last day. If you didn't fill that out, maybe we might have some copies around. I'm not sure, uh, but we might take a late one. I think we, we, we preach grace and mercy here, but let's try to get those in. Okay. We're also, as we're talking about classes, we've got a new members class it is starting, uh, it's a three-week class. It'll begin on January 9th. And this, this class is for those of you who are interested in learning more about the church, becoming members of the church. It's, a, it's an opportunity for you to learn and understand our constitution and our bylaws and how the church is put together in forms of leadership, how it's led. And, um, and, and it's, uh, it was good. I, I don't know that I ever went to a new member's church. It, I've been coming here for over 20 years. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe I could... I could look that new members up, a membership class up. Um, also, just a quick reminder: next Sunday will be just like this Sunday. It will be uh, 10 o'clock start. How many of us enjoyed the uh, extra hour of sleeping in? I loved it so much. I was still late this morning getting here, but uh, but it's okay. Uh, like I said, grace and mercy. Uh, one more, one more uh, announcement, the, the offering box, too. Uh, I mentioned the blue envelopes. Um, God has been very, very good to this church. This church is a giving church. It's always been. And uh, we're blessed year after year. But we don't do, because of COVID, we don't do the passing around anymore. The box is in the back. And um, the envelopes are white now, I think, is what they're showing me. So for those designated funds... Uh, it's white envelope.
Today's invocation passage comes to us from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. I remember learning this verse as a song, singing in the choir. Um, just It was just pretty much scripture put to music. So here we go. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we confess our sins to you, Lord. We have not loved you as we should. We have not served others as we should. Sometimes, Father, we doubt and we don't trust you completely, and we want to take take over and be in charge. Father, please forgive us. May the blood of Jesus cleanse us. May your grace empower us to live for you and your kingdom. And during this Advent season, Father, I pray that you would empower us to proclaim the gospel. That you would help us to arise and shine. Father, that you would prevent us from being dim bulbs, but that you would illuminate us with thanksgiving and joy and and gladness. Father, I want to pray for the people that aren't here with us right now, those that are joining us online. Maybe some people are even in the hospital and can't be here. Father, we miss them. Father, be with those who may not be here with us today because maybe they're a little depressed or upset. Maybe something's bothering them. Maybe they're angry at one of us. Father, help us to call the people that we don't see here today. Help, uh, Father, help those people that aren't here. Be with them right now. Let them know that they are loved not only by us but most importantly by you. Pray for the persecuted church around the world. Father, thank you for the freedoms that we have here in this country to gather and worship and praise and learn, disciple. Thank you for such a privilege. May we be thankful and may we remember those believers, our brothers and sisters around the world in our prayers this Christmas season. Father, I pray for the offering today, that what we do here as a church would be a glory to you, and that your light would continue to shine in this community in a mighty way, and that we would see our numbers grow, and that we would see old lives become new lives. Father, I pray for the sermon this morning. Pray that you would fill Pastor Greg with your Holy Spirit to his full capacity of what he can handle, and that he would speak truth 
he will speak love and he will speak joy and he will speak peace during this Christmas time. And that we would hear something new, something from your scriptures that's never really gotten quite clear for us. You would help us walk out of here this morning just a little bit different, a little bit closer to you, more trusting in you, more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. While the men are making their way up here, this is, uh, this is a group of guys that we've been meeting for a while, and uh, let me just tell you, it's been a joy. Merry Christmas there, Joe. Good to sing with you, too. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, you all. stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, was born
Good morning. Merry Christmas. What a beautiful service the Lord has allowed us to have this morning. Special thank you to our sister Carol and Pastor Brian for planning all the different elements of the service, and truly it's been a blessing. And I want to invite you to come back and join us again on Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. In this room, it'll be a little different setup, it'll be a little different feel, it'll be more family style. There'll be scripture readings from various people in the congregation, we'll be singing Christmas carols, we'll have candles, we'll sing Silent Night. It's going to be a great evening of worship as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So thank you for being with us this morning. For those of you joining us online, thank you. We're glad that you're joining us. We wish you were here. We look forward to your return to be with us one day. And for visitors this morning, a special thanks. Thanks for coming to cheer on the children. Thanks for coming to support us uh, in our service this morning. Could we have the monitor in the back turned on, please? In New York's Hayden Planetarium, there's a special Christmas holiday show. 
that has just a special feature at the end. Throughout the show, there's a giant lollipop tree that's projected onto the dome of the planetarium, surrounded by a horizon with brilliantly colored toys, which come to life and dance around to the tune of Jingle Bells. But at its climax, a huge figure of Santa Claus fades out in a snowstorm, and the star of Bethlehem breaks through into a sky that reproduces the sky of that holy night oh so long ago. The designer of this show may not realize that he dramatically staged the supreme Christmas message that our world needs to hear. The recovery of the lost meaning of Christmas. You know, the world points us to, to snowmen, to shopping malls, to Christmas sales, to gingerbread houses, to corny TV programs. But the Word of God points us to the true center of Christmas. A child born in a manger come to set a people free by shining his light into the darkness, illuminating the path of truth. During this Advent season here at the Evangelical Free Church, we have sought to keep the focus on the main thing of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ, who became man so that man might find a way back to God. And we've been going through an Advent series that we call Christmas Praises, where we've taken a fresh look at the different characters and events surrounding the birth of Christ and the reactions of those who encountered the angels of God. And in each case, we've seen that the reaction of God interrupting human history resulted in shouts of praise from the lips of those who marveled at the mystery of God becoming flesh and living among us. First, we looked at Zechariah, the high priest, who, or not the high priest, but the priest who was promised a son and who at the, what should have been the highest moment of his life as he was serving in the holy place, offering the sacrifice, had an angel appear to him and say that he would have a son. But because he doubted, he had to hold it all in for nine months of silence contemplating the mystery of what God was doing. But finally... When he gave the name to the son that the angel had given, his name is John, his tongue was loosened and he shouted out praises to God. That his own son, whom we know as John the Baptist, would have the privilege of announcing that the Messiah had come into the world. And then we saw Mary, this young woman who was facing earth-shattering news that she had been chosen to give birth to the Son of God. And as a result, though young in faith, she showed great wisdom and strong obedience in saying, Be it done to me as you have said, for I am the handmaiden of the Lord. And she praised the Lord, who had sent a Savior through her that would save her and others from their sins. Well, today we will look at Simeon, a man about whom not much is known, but who had received a unique promise from God, that he would see the Messiah with his own eyes. And as a result, when he beholds the Messiah, he shouts out praise as he holds tenderly the Christ child in his arms. He'll show us what faithful and patient obedience looks like in anticipation of a God who keeps his word, who fulfills his promise. Now here at the Evangelical Free Church, we recognize that when we are before the word of God and the word of God is before us, it is the king of kings who is speaking to us. And in any country around the world, if the king were suddenly to make an appearance, all those present would stand 
And so it is our tradition then as we read the word of God that we stand in honor of God, our King. So if you would stand as we read our passage for this morning, which will come from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22 down to verse 35. And the holy and truthful word of God says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in, in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Sorry, we'll get there. And blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let us pray. Father, as we have read your word this morning, we recognize that unless you give ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand, this will just be an exercise. But Father, we want it to be a living encounter with you through your word. And so would you open our hearts would you banish all distractions? Would you give us eyes to see? And would you teach us as you guide us by the Holy Spirit and cause us to see Jesus in a greater light this morning as we pray in his holy name. Amen. Please be seated. If you'd like to, there is a sermon outline, a brief sermon outline in your bulletin that you can follow along and take notes and perhaps reflect upon what we're talking about this morning throughout this Christmas week. But our first main point this morning is purification and dedication. What is interesting is that only Luke mentions the story of Simeon. And that's not surprising if we were to read through the Gospel of Luke, because Luke was the only Gentile writer of the New Testament under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit. And as a result, perhaps he recognized that at times he was a bit of an outsider, but he likes to include stories that are not included in the other Gospels, showing us real people from all walks of life as he tells the story of Jesus. It's appropriate because Jesus came to change and to save and to transform all types of people from all types of life situations, all types of social strata. So we learned this morning, anew and afresh, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for real people. It's a real message for those who are facing real problems in a real world. Indeed, as it is recorded in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the coming of Jesus Christ is good news of great joy 
that will be for all the people. And you can find yourself in that message this morning because it can be good news of great joy for you as well. But let's look briefly at what has happened just before the entrance of Simeon onto the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 2, verses 22 and 24, we see that the parents of Jesus have come to the temple for the sacrifice of purification. According to the law of Moses, such a period was necessary. And in the case of a male son who was born, that period was 40 days. And so 40 days after the birth of Jesus, his parents have brought him to the temple for this sacrifice of purification to symbolize that the, the time of impurity is over, that the child will be dedicated to the Lord. And Joseph is there because this is a family that has come together to obey the law to offer the sacrifice. Now, normally in such circumstances, the law required that after the birth of a child, there would be a lamb that would be offered. But here we see in our text that the sacrifice that was offered was two, was two pair of uh, pigeons or turtle doves. This was a substitute offering that was allowed for families that were poor. And this was the situation with Mary and Joseph. We see that Jesus Christ was born into a poor family. What a marvelous display of divine humility. The Son of God, who left the glories of heaven, enters into space and time to be born into a poor family so that he could relate to those he came to save. He would know the difficulties of life. And though he had enjoyed the eternal riches of heaven and would return to them one day, he came to live among the lowly and to walk the dusty trails of this world. Now, it must be said, though, this was a poor family. They were not a destitute family. His father was a carpenter. Jesus himself would learn the trade of carpentry. But Jesus did come from humble means. And what that means for us today is Jesus can relate to you and to me. He knows our sorrows. He knows our pains. He knows our difficulties. He knows the grind of the nine to five. He knows what it is to try to meet deadlines. He knows what it is to have coworkers that are less than ideal. And we can turn to him because he came to identify with us and walk the dust of this earth with us. But as we get back to the story in Luke chapter 2, and as they came to the temple, it wasn't only a time of symbolic purification for Mary. It was also a time of dedication and presentation to the Lord of this baby. So we see in verse 22, it says that they came to present him to the Lord. This is what was required of all firstborn sons, that they were to be brought to the temple and dedicated to the Lord, set apart, as it were, for the service of the Lord. And it's from this example of Jesus himself being presented to the Lord, dedicated to the Lord for his service, that many throughout church history have practiced a form of child dedication, of presenting their own children to the Lord, recognizing that they are a gift from him. And therefore, it is a gift that they present back to God and say, may this child be used for your glory. All of that by way of purification and dedication. But next we see patient preparation. Now, as I've said, this is the only time that Simeon is mentioned in the scriptures. There are limited details. But what we do know about him is that he was a layman. And why we know that is because he could not have been a priest based on the terms for the temple that are used here. 
because the term that was used would mean he would be allowed to enter into the outer courtyards, not like Zechariah who was allowed to enter into the holy place. No, there was a, a layout of the temple compound. There was the, the larger compound, and within it there were different courts. There were the courts of the Gentiles where only those God-fearers who didn't believe fully and didn't fully embrace the practices of Judaism, they could be in the court of the Gentiles. There was the court of the women, the place where the Jewish women could go. There were the outer courts that surrounded the temple itself. Then there was the holy place that the priest could go into and offer sacrifices on a daily basis. And in the back, then the holy of holies that the, the holy priest, the high priest could enter once a year. And so Jewish men could go into the courtyards, and this is where Simeon would have gone, the courtyards around the holy place. And then the women could go into their place, and the Gentiles only in the one place. And that would come up later in Jesus' ministry of how this place where God-fearers could come and worship was now being desecrated by commercialism. And Jesus has to overthrow the temples. But here we see that Simeon, a layman, is hanging out, as it were, in God's place, with God's people, seeking God's face. He is a model layman. He is committed to the things of God and how we need people who are committed to the things of God. Moreover, we're told that he is righteous and devout. It's a man who is upright in his behavior. He was pious in his attitude. He was holy in his lifestyle. He loved God. He obeyed the word of God. He understood the promises of God. He wanted to serve God with his life. And I hope as you are sitting here this morning, looking at your own life, that you will say, this is also a description of me. Would that be a description of you? In your attitude, in your daily decisions, in your lifestyle, how you treat the word of God, how you treat the house of God. Would your description be righteous and devout? But not only was Simeon a righteous and devout man, he was a man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. It, you can see we're just taking it right out of the text as we walk through the text this morning. And the statement that you now see in your screen comes in verse 25. Otherwise said, Simeon was longing for the salvation of his people who were languishing in slavery, political slavery, spiritual slavery. He knew that his people were in desperate need. And this devout man longed to see God visit his people and bless them. He knew about the promise of a coming Messiah. But as we've seen in this series, he shows that there was great longing that that day would come. Oh God, how long? How long will it take? When will Messiah come? When will we be set free? When will we have hope? And the coming of this Messiah, this hope would have been on the minds of all the Israelites of that day. They didn't fully understand yet what this Jesus would be. But they were hopeful that they would see the Messiah. Perhaps there's something that you have been longing for in your own life. Waiting for God to respond, for God to do something, to, for God to keep a promise that you feel like he has made to you. I can tell you that God always keeps his word. It's just his timing operates on a little bit different schedule than ours. And so he calls us to faith and to believe him and to trust him. But he has promised hope and life and peace to all who will come to him. So 
So Simeon was a blessed man, and he was a recipient of a great and unique blessing. Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit was upon him. This was not a gift given to all the people of that time, but this is proof that he indeed was this righteous and devout man who walked with God, trusted in God, hoped in God, longed for God to keep his promise. He was walking in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, just like we are commanded to do today. For you see, we who know Jesus Christ have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit indwelling us from the moment that we are born again, from the moment that we believe, and then we are called to live and to walk in that ongoing fellowship and power and control of God, the Holy Spirit. So this Simeon, this righteous and devout layman who's spending time at the temple on a regular basis, has received a special promise. He was told that he would not die until he had seen the promise of God with his own eyes. Or as Luke records it, the Lord's Christ, we might call him the Messiah. Now we don't know how the Holy Spirit communicated this to Simeon or how he came to understand it, but he did. And think of the privilege. Imagine that conversation. Simeon, I see you're a righteous and devout man, and you long for the promise of God, and I've chosen that you will be able to see the Messiah before you die. Something that Jews had longed for for centuries was given to this righteous and devout man. So imagine then, he has this promise of God. What is he going to do? Well, he's going to go to the temple on a regular basis. He's going to watch people come and go. He's going to observe people as they come in with their babies for dedication and for sacrifice. And he's going to wonder. And perhaps this goes on for a while. The text doesn't tell us how long. But it went on for a season. Imagine the days turning into weeks and months And maybe years, he knows the promise of God and he's waiting and not giving up. He perseveres in his faith. He waits patiently. He believes that God would do what he had said. Do you believe that God will do what he said? God has said that he will provide for his children daily bread. That he will answer their prayers. That he will be in fellowship with them. That he will keep all of his promises. But... We must be careful about understanding what it is that God has promised us today. God does not promise us an easy life. He does not promise us a pain-free, leisurely experience. He doesn't even promise a lifelong, abundant, extravagant experience. And then we get to heaven. He doesn't even promise that we will live long days. No. There's a reason why the Savior had to come. Because we live in a sin-filled world. And as a result of sin, there is pain, there is suffering, there is death, there are tears. And as part of the process of us becoming more like Jesus Christ, God intends, even designs for us to go through times of difficulty. Because if we never had any problems, how would we learn to trust that God keeps his word? How would we learn to realize that it is good for us to grow in faith and obedience and to experience the joy of fellowship with him? If we never suffered here, would we really long for heaven? 
And if so, what heaven would we long for? Just a continuation of what we have here, only just a little better? No, Simeon wasn't promised a pain-free and easy life. He was promised something far better. And so are we. He was promised that God would be with his people through his spirit, going through the valleys, going through the struggles, walking with his people day by day as his spirit gives guidance that we would learn Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Let Simeon be our example this Christmas season. But here's the challenge as we stand at the end of 2021 and look forward to 2022. Will you commit to nurturing your relationship with the Lord? Just as you eat your daily bread, will you eat the daily bread of heaven and spend time with the Lord in this book every day? Will you learn from him while you have a relative measure of peace to be able to do so? And go deeper with him in your relationship with him and let him teach you through his word that you might grow in the riches and promises that he promises. Will you spend time with him in prayer? Will you spend time with him with his people? Which is what he has come to do to raise up a people for the glory of his son. And so here we find Simeon waiting and wondering how long would it take to see the Messiah. And indeed, we're not told how long he had to wait. We're just told he did wait faithfully. And then finally, in the providence of God, the day for which he longed arrived. And I have to wonder, did that day start any different than any of the others? We don't know. There are certain things that we would like the text to tell us about, but it gives us just enough to be satisfied but not enough to satisfy our curiosity about wanting to know a little more. We just know that the text says that on that appointed day, he came in the spirit into the temple. He came to the temple doing what he had been doing on a regular basis, faithfully observing what God had commanded him to do, pouring out his heart before God, seeking his face, believing his promises in the regular, normal routine of his life. Finally, that day came, and he would see the promised salvation. We see that in verses 28 to 32. Now, somehow the Lord drew Simeon to Mary and Joseph, who had come to dedicate their son to the Lord according to the custom of the law. And somehow Simeon sees the child and senses under the guidance of the Holy Spirit that this long-awaited moment had arrived. There he was. The Messiah. And he approaches Mary and Joseph. What, was he trembling? Was his voice shaking? Were there tears of joy trickling down his cheeks? We don't know. And how was it that he knew that between this nonverbal communication between Mary and Joseph and Simeon, that they knew that they could place their child in his arms for a blessing? We're just told that that's what happened. They recognized it was okay for this one to take Simeon up into his arms and pronounce a blessing over him. You can almost hear the joy in his voice, the sense of celebration as he begins to pray. And he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. This burden that he had carried for who knows how long, looking for the Messiah, is finally achieved and realized. And you can feel the, the burden. God kept his word. He kept his promise. I'm seeing what God promised. 
And it's like he's saying, Lord, now you can release me. Perhaps you have another burden for me to bear, but you can release me. There's joy in his situation. He says, you've kept it according to your word. Our God is a God who keeps his word. And Simeon experiences it in a new way. He knows that God spoke to him and kept a promise. And now, as it were, he can die in peace. He's not saying that he will now die soon. He just says, this burden that I've been carrying is now lifted. And it's like, if I were to die right now, I would die a happy man. Because I've seen the promise of God. I've seen him keep his word. He sees what God has given. And my friends, there's a, there's a promise here. There's an encouragement here. And there's a warning here. And that warning is, do not die before you see the Lord's salvation offered in Jesus Christ. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you are not sure that you are cleansed from your sins, if you do not know that you are at peace with God, you're not ready to die. Because you will go directly into an eternal separation from God, enduring the just penalty of your sin. And if today you're not sure, whether you're in this room or you're watching online and you're not sure, I want you to cry out to God right now and say, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need Jesus. I need to be forgiven. Thank you that he came, he was born to die, that I might be able to live forever. And then it truly will be good news of great joy for all people. Simeon goes on and he shouts his praise. My eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples. He understands that there is fulfillment in this story of redemption that God has promised. This new covenant that this child would usher in and that salvation is directly linked to Jesus. It shows up in his name. His very name means the Lord is salvation. So don't let the familiarity of the story cause you to overlook the joy and reality and depth and importance of what we are seeing here. Perhaps you've had a longing fulfilled and you understand in part this longing that Simeon has had been fulfilled as he's holding the Son of God the fulfillment of God's promise in his arms because God keeps his word. But the ultimate longing of the human soul is to know peace with God. And that longing is not satisfied until we can say, my eyes have seen the salvation offered in Jesus Christ. So Simeon praises God and he says that this Jesus will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. Yes, salvation must because of the promises of God, come from and through the Jews, but it would not be for the Jews only. It would be for all people. And Simeon recognizes that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophets, of which we see one in Isaiah chapter 49, where the prophet says, I will make you the Messiah as a light for the nations. The word there for nations is translated Gentiles in the New Testament. I've made you as a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Jesus will be the Savior of all who will believe 
and bow before him from every nation and tribe and language and family. Is that your truth today? Do you know him as the truth and the Messiah? And lastly, we have the predicted separation. Sorry, it says preparation there. I'm sorry, it should be separation. Please uh, note accordingly in your notes. Predicted separation. As Simeon finishes this outburst of praise, we are told that the parents of Jesus are overwhelmed. They marvel at what is said. Now, of course, this is a common thing. Parents like to have others doting on their children, pronouncing praises on their children. That's what's not unusual. But it's what's going on all around that's what's unusual. Because these parents are already amazed at the circumstances of the birth of Jesus. They're amazed at the appearance of the angels announcing Jesus. And now, once again, here comes this man pronouncing an amazing blessing over their child. And what's in that blessing? It's the promise that the birth of this child, which, whose names mean Jesus or Yahweh or the Lord, is salvation. That this birth would not be disconnected from the suffering that is to come. With Mary and Joseph listening intently to him, Simeon blesses them, and then he specifically talks to Mary. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Simeon prophesies that from the beginning, Jesus, this Jesus, the impact of this Jesus, will be the great divider of people. Now, he came as the Prince of Peace from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We have it written on the wall over here. So what does this mean? It means that there are two groups of people in the world. And the result of how people respond to this Jesus will divide people into two groups. Because there are only two groups. Those who believe in the promises of God and who come to Christ. And those that believe in everything else because they think they know better than God. Whatever people determine and think about Jesus reveals their eternal destiny. That's why he came. That's his words. He said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. For I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He says, he alone is the way to salvation. His truth and light will reveal what is in the hearts of all people. That's what Simeon promised. It's what Jesus affirmed in Revelation 2.23, that he alone knows the hearts and the minds of all. He knows my heart this morning. He knows yours. What's percolating through it right now. And what thoughts you are thinking right now. And he wants those hearts and minds turned to him right now. The rest of the story of the Gospel of Luke shows that this is true. It's still the case today. There are some who will come openly and willingly to Jesus and say, Oh God, have mercy on even me, a sinner. And there are others who will listen to philosophy and religious teachers and other things and say, I got this. I'm going to negotiate with God. And they're going to find out the hard way that there's no negotiation. It really is his way. Or the highway. And his way is the path to righteousness leading to eternal life. My plea for you this morning is that you would come to Jesus while you still have the chance to do so. If we have learned anything over the last 
24 months, 18 to 24 months, is that you do not know what a day may bring forth. But he does. Just this morning, there was an accident not far from the church that would have blocked the way for people to come. You don't know. Come to Christ while you have a chance. Simeon finishes his comments by telling Mary that a, soul, a, t- a sword will pierce through her own soul as well. This is a, a type of sword that's very large. It's got two edges. It cuts as it goes one way, and it cuts as it goes the other. And Simeon promises Mary at this most delicate yet sacred moment and says, the words and actions of Jesus in his teaching ministry will bring pain to you, Mary. There were times when Jesus' own family, including his own mother, was embarrassed by him and his words. And so like those of everyone else, Jesus is the one who will reveal what's in the heart of Mary and what's in the heart of everyone else. She also must repent of her sins, admit her need for forgiveness, and come to faith in Jesus Christ, which is what we all must do. The son that she would deliver is ultimately to be her deliverer from sin and death and rebellion. In addition, Mary's soul would be pierced because she would hear what others would say about her son and how they would treat him. And some would bow down and worship and others would curse and mock and spit. And there would be great pain to her as his earthly mother. In just a few years, she would have to endure the public shame of seeing her son mocked and humiliated as he hung on a Roman cross, suspended between heaven and earth, and learn in a deeper way that God and man can only be reconciled through her son, who is the bridge between heaven and earth. But there's good news here for Mary. It would take some time. She knows that this child will be her savior, will be the savior of all who believe. But with time, she will have her mind opened and her heart growing and understanding to see that the crush of Christmas leads to the cross of Calvary, but ultimately to the crown of heaven. And Jesus will reign in great glory forever and ever and ever and ever. And so Simeon this morning, by his words and his actions, shows us how to persevere in the Lord, how to wait faithfully for his promises. Maybe he struggled in doubt at times, but he persevered and did what the Lord had called him to do. The Lord had given him a promise. The Lord had given him a command. He was faithful to that command. He points us to the true meaning of Christmas. Simeon had watched and waited for so long for the Lord And doing so, he pointed to the ultimate watchman, the one who watches over his people and fulfills the longing of their hearts, Jesus, who came to be the longing that would be fulfilled in Simeon's heart and the longing of all who will trust in him. But as Simeon promised Mary, he will be the rising of some and the falling of others. And the question then is, what direction will you go as you encounter Jesus this morning? In December of 1903, after many attempts, the brothers Orville and Wilbur Wright were successful in getting their flying machine off the ground. They managed to go 120 feet. Full of thrills, they they sent a, a message to their sister, Catherine, who then ran off to the local newspaper and showed them the message. We have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. 
The editor looked at the newspaper ad and he said, oh, that's nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. He had missed the main point. They had learned to fly. Don't miss the big news of Christmas. It's not about lights and presents and TV shows and music. It's not even about angels and shepherds and magi and stars. It's about God coming to dwell among men, bringing salvation to all who believe in the fulfillment of his promise. Simeon was led by the Spirit of God to obey the Word of God to announce the coming of God's promise, the Lord Jesus Christ. That same Spirit indwells us today if we know Christ. May we be now those men and women led by that Spirit of God who will teach others what we know, who will announce to others the truth of the Christmas message and call them as well to come and join us in the great celebration song that will go on through all of eternity. May it be, and may the Lord be praised. Let us pray. Father, as we turn to you now and we thank you for the message of Christmas, what can we do but turn to you and say thank you? Thank you that into the darkness of this world, and more importantly, into the darkness of our hearts, you shine your light and you call all to come and believe, come and receive, come and be saved. Father, would you give us ears to hear? what your spirit is saying this morning, that we might glorify Jesus and it truly might be a Merry Christmas for all within the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, our hope is that your celebration this Christmas season, that you spend time with friends and family, will be centered around praises to God and that your Christmas will be filled with joy and that we know that the joy is only found in knowing Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close out our service this morning singing joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her key. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing joy to the earth the savior reign let men their songs employ while fields and Rocks, hills, and plains Repeat the sounding joy Repeat the sounding joy Repeat, repeat the sounding joy No more let sins and sorrows grow Nor thorns infest the ground He comes to make His blessings flow Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the 
wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love thank you for being with us this morning for this christmas celebration friday uh, saturday what, what when's christmas eve friday friday at 5 p.m we'll be back here to celebrate with more christmas carols and scripture reading if you can join us 5 p.m it'd be great to see you here Merry Christmas to you all. Let me close with a benediction. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let us go in peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace. And Merry Christmas to you all.